0: everyone and welcome to the neil haley show in the total celebrity segment i'm excited welcome to the program dion taylor of Fatal. dion thanks for calling man how are you
1: man thank you for having me i'm doing good man i'm happy to be on the show
0: yeah i love the story and that's where i kind of want to go before we go to Fatal. i love the story of your backstory as a professional basketball player how did professional basketball influence you into directing and producing, where do, how did that start?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a um, it's a very very crazy story, but I don't know if it was about basketball influencing me or if it was destined for me to actually find film. Um, you know, obviously growing up, playing basketball was my entire life. Coming from the Midwest, that's that's all I knew, um, and then ultimately basketball became a passport that allowed me to kind of go see the entire world. Um, during that time, I had always been a film fan, uh, just someone who just loved any movie I could get my hands on. Um, I watched a movie once and remember it forever, you know? And, uh, it was in East Germany where I was playing basketball that I basically had a crazy idea, which is not so crazy anymore, uh, to actually write a write a screenplay. And, um, that screenplay idea stuck with me for a very long time. And ultimately I tried to leave during the off season and write that screenplay. And um, that ultimately became a journey that took me, you know, away from basketball for about five years, just trying to pursue how do you make a screenplay? How do you do the film? And I, you know, for the life of me, man, I always thought basketball would be it. I was actually a, a, a basketball fanatic uh, gym rat is what we call ourselves. <laughs> and, um, it was just a blessing to see something that moved me from that platform to another platform. So I think the, um, the overall arcing idea would be that, you know, God showed me something else to do with my life and I'm so happy that I did it.
0: It kind of reminds me of the way that God showed me for teaching. And I was a teacher for X amount of years before I went back into entertainment again. And if I wouldn't have became a teacher, I would never be where I am today as a nationally syndicated radio host, creating all my own brand stuff and now, uh, you know, producing different shows and doing different things and maybe heading back into professional wrestling. So if I wouldn't have taken that education route, who knows what would have happened, Dion, that I would be able to teach and tell people what I can do to help them. So it's kind of, you have a parallel lives in certain ways that I took this to building my, my radio um, TV brand. And now, you know, digital marketing tech company to now I will get back into wrestling. And I, but I I needed that education to take me to the next level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, man, how different things in your life can, if you're, if you, if you're open-minded and you have your, you know, your heart is open you know, life could be an amazing journey that could take you all these different places. I, I've learned that it's when you're closed minded that things don't happen. You know what I mean? You're kind of like, this is what I do. And that's exactly. it. And
0: um, no,
2: you can't I'm just do happy
1: that. that. I was open minded,
0: man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're, you're impressive. So
1: I will talk about
0: some of your other projects and current ones you've done, but let's talk about Fatale uh, again in theaters and uh, on December 18th. Let's just jump jump into specifically that storyline. It's like everyone that makes a mistake in life once, right? Where they go
1: the wrong path. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I think that's what the I think that's what the film encompasses. Is one mistake can change your life, and um, I think everyone could. You know, it might not be to the detriment of your life you know what i mean but but we have all made a mistake and have wanted to kind of do a do-over you know what i mean and this movie explores that which is someone makes one one misstep and it basically becomes a domino effect to ruin his entire life
0: exactly is that do you believe that's karma in this film i don't know i'm both faith-filled guys but you believe at times when we make bad decisions, we will pay for
1: them at one point? That, that's what life is about. I mean, as scary as it sounds, you know, it is, it is the yin and the yang of, of the life, man. And, it, you know, it is cause and effect. Basically, something you do will, will, you know, in one way or other, it will affect something else that you're trying to do. And um, I truly believe that, man. And, you know, like I said, we're all human. You make various mistakes in life. You know what I mean? No one sets out to make a mistake. You know what I mean? But it happens. And the reality is you have to deal with, you know, what that is that comes your way. Now, what I also think is interesting is sometimes there are life mistakes that you make that become learning lessons as well. Yes. And uh, I think in this film, here's a guy that has it all. And, yeah, he makes this mistake. And a tragic mistake, but what ultimately happens is he learns a very hard lesson, which is what's the most valuable thing that you have in life it's not money or fame you know or cars or houses it's it's basically your name and your reputation there's nothing that out you know outweighs that
0: and your family and your family whatever family you married, family. you know the, that's right yeah, and the making that's right. that decision and so interesting working with uh Hillary Swank that's got to be awesome right to to be and the the cast man. you have to work with them must oh, be awesome
1: incredible man incredible man you know for me being, being able to do a, a you know a you know a thriller of this size and being able to have a two time academy award winning actress and Hillary Swank yeah show up every day and come to work is uh it's incredible you know what i mean and it's something that I'm, I'm extremely proud of. Her, her performance in Fatal is, you know, on par and on level with everything else she's done. I mean, she has so many layers, so many quirks and different things she's doing as a character. It's absolutely amazing to see. And then when you pit her opposite someone like Michael Ealy, it's even better because people are like, I didn't know Michael could be, you know, have that type of performance. Like, he's that good, too. You know what I mean? I'm so sure. the yeah, story so seems fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah, get a chance great, to view man. it
0: because of my, yeah, because of because of my wife getting COVID. Uh, I didn't get a chance to preview the film, but I hope to see the film for sure because it's just something. But I think the, the life lesson is, you make a mistake. There's going to be a storyline, but you're going to pay for a lot of it as well in certain heartache and struggle and and trials and one decision could change your life forever and that's that's a great story now you have other projects coming up as well december 18th again it's available Fatal, but tell us really quickly some of the other projects you have going
1: on yeah well we're, we myself and uh, my producing partner roxanne we just produced another film called don't fear uh which is a horror film like in the in, in the vein of um, in the vein of Annabelle, uh, which is really, really dope film, man. It's uh, starring T.I. Joseph Sikora from Power, um, and it is, it is out of this world. So we just finished doing that film, and that will be coming out later this year. And uh, we have a really big project coming up uh, with the producers of Parasite, uh, a film uh, called Grave Hill, which we began production in January on, uh, that it takes place in 1840. Uh, so we're we're kind of like you know around the clock working, and later on in the year we'll be doing the Harlem Globetrotter story with Sony, uh, which is a beautiful fulfillment about the the birth of the Hunters in you know 1945 where oh wow uh, I love they, that they first yeah. stepped out and, and began playing the game of uh, basketball. So I got to get
0: reach out to you for sure. I want to be part of that tour. In some sort of way for sure, coming up for that one. Because again, as a former guy yeah, myself, it. I, I, yes. I, I will reach out to you on a another basis and we'll stay in touch with some of these other projects. But that interests me. I got to uh, talk about the story of Muhammad Ali, uh, ex wife, in the um, documentary Muhammad Ali that just came out. And so I want definitely to be involved in this Harlem Globetrotter deal. We'll talk about it any way I can promote it on my networks for sure. Dion, where's the best place we can connect? With you again, we all know December 18th, Fatale is available in all theaters. But
1: where can we connect with you? Man, you can get me anywhere, man. My uh, mostly on Instagram, uh, my IG is just simple it's at Dion Taylor, D E O N T A Y L O R. Uh, I'm on Facebook at the same address, and uh, I'm around, man. I just you know, I love social media, I love talking and hearing people talk about films and everything else that's going on in the world, so very reachable there. But, yeah, Fatal is in theaters wherever they're open. Uh, We have a very, very good program going on with the Safe, where they have these safe theater screenings for people to be able to get out of their house and go see a movie. And uh, we will be in theaters December 18th, man, everywhere that's open. And if you don't catch it there uh, a few weeks later, the the film will be available to people on all platforms.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you coming by. It was great, uh, great information, Dion. Uh, Definitely will stay in touch. And you're welcome to come back on the show on any other project. Okay, sound good?
1: Yeah, man. Thank you so much, man. And congratulations with the show and, and wrestling and everything else you're doing, man. I can't wait to see what your next step's going to be. Hey, I can't wait to see yours. So we we'll are definitely keep rolling together.
0: It's going into 2021. Take care, Dion.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bye. All right. Thank you're you. listening to the Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to living a legacy and i'm excited to welcome the program The host eric couch eric how are you and great uh, and merry christmas i'll have to say just because of who our guest is yes you know
3: well today we're gonna have we're having a good time man and i'll tell you if you don't pay attention he will shoot your eye out so today's guest is actor he's been in one movie in particular that you've already probably figured out but he's been in a lot of shows um zach ward zach welcome to the show
2: thank you guys thank you everybody nice to be
0: here nice to be here absolutely zach thanks again and uh i getting to see you in person on camera what a fantastic thing especially christmas time and uh getting near christmas and the perfect time in the holidays to talk about some awesome things so go ahead eric with your first question
3: yeah so zach tell it well obviously a christmas story and and anybody watching the show you're seeing the red hair. So you probably figured out that, you know, Zach was Zach was the the bully kid uh, at the beginning. But, you know, briefly, Zach, before we jump into everything else, let's let's talk a little bit about Christmas story. It is Christmas time. So tell us a little bit about back making the movie and and experiences there and maybe a scene or two that that still stands out that makes you laugh or is memorable. Uh, Christmas story
2: was my first feature film that I ever auditioned for It's what we call a cattle call meaning hundreds of kids came to the audition walked in and out of the audition room read a couple of lines in front of a vhs camera and then left and back then my dialogue was the, was the dialogue of the sidekick not the bully uh so i said nah your aunt tilly get over here and then thank you bye-bye and i went through that about 10 or 12 times um, and it kept on going from a lot of kids down to less kids until eventually i got the job and then i showed up um in wardrobe and they put the big hat on me and they uh i met my uh i met yano anaya who played grover dill and um then we went out to go meet the director and i had never met him before because i was in toronto and he was based in los angeles so uh we were introduced to bob clark the director and he noticed that i was basically a foot taller than yano anaya and he went oh okay um you get his lines he gets yours so I went from being the sidekick <laughs> to being the bully. Um, and so it was great fun. Uh, Bob kept us separated. I sort of kept the bullies and the heroes <laughs> removed from each other. So there was a natural sort of competition level. Uh, yeah. He was a great guy. He was very patient, very sweet. Uh, like I said, it was my first feature film. So I was learning a lot. I had done commercials before that. My mom's an actress, so I've been on sets. But I'd never had that level of direction in a full film crew around like that. And uh, Bob was very, very patient and kind. And I think he got the best out of me that could be gotten. And so we got to play and have fun. And one of my favorite memories, you know, the fight scene, even though I'm losing to me, that was like being the bionic bionic man. So uh, any young feller liked play fighting when he was a kid. And that's what I did. So this was, uh, you know, sort of like living like your heroes, being evil Knievel or Steve Austin. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure right, that your audience right. has no idea who those people are. Yeah. But, yeah, those are the heroes no, They, of the they day. definitely
0: do. Oh, they definitely oh. I said the heel versus the baby face. I don't know, if, Zach, if I told you last time I interviewed you, I'm a former professional wrestler. So I okay. know how great it is to be the bad guy. But yeah. I guess the look that you were able to come as very scary. For a lot of kids, you know, younger kids when they watch the show and different things, how do they come yeah. up with that look for you? Which part of the look? I mean, this stuff? Because yeah. I, I brought this. <laughs> I Meaning just like <laughs> even just the way he just act, not just you brought this, but you also brought the persona, but also the look of the clothes and everything. How do they come up with that? Kind so of- wardrobe, the wardrobe department came up with the clothing, the hat, the leather jacket with the fur collar,
2: the, the green sweater and the turtleneck and You know, it just was a bunch of poor kids stuff from the 1930s, 1940s. Um, So they took period piece references and made sure that it was accurate to that time and then started dressing me in with what they have. So um, you go into the wardrobe department and they've got a ton of clothes, but only so many in your size. And then you start trying on those clothes and standing in front of a mirror. And the wardrobe person goes, nope, uh, nope. Uh, nope. Oh yeah, this looks good. You know, we went through 20 different hats before I got the, the Coonskin hat. And so (laughs) it was all always about building upon what was already there. So I already had the face that was very punchable and then it was just adding to that process.
3: Well, you know, there's so many, there's so many lines that people remember from the show from, from the lamp to the you'll shoot your eye out to the mother of all, you know, cuss words, uh, which is what I mentioned to my kids earlier, and my son just starts laughing. He's like, "Yeah, Dad, I know which movie you're talking about." Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so there's so many like scenes that pop out as people think about that. I'll tell you one thing that really, uh, you know, I was reading an article on you a couple days ago, and something really stood out to me because our show is about living a legacy, right? Not right. not just how are you going to leave a legacy, but what are you doing today to use the influence that you have to impact the world around you. And one of the things that I read about, I think it was when you were filming this movie is, you know, you're a kid and, and you're struggling with your lines. And of course you're the bully. So people think of you and they're like, I don't like this guy, he's just a punk. Um, but then the reality is you're playing a part, right? And you, uh, what I read was, you know, you're struggling with the lines and instead of the director being a bully, he sits down next to you and he just works with you on your lines. And that had a huge impact on your life. Um, yeah. and helped you just learn patience and giving patience. So, you know, tell me more of the story of, of that and kind of the impact that that had, because it, it, it had an impact on me. Uh,
2: it was the scene when I'm arguing with uh, Ralphie. Listen, jerk, when I tell you to come, you better come to get over here. What are you going to cry, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't a lot of dialogue and some of it got cut, but I was r- rushing through it because I wasn't really paying attention. And the director, Bob Clark, uh, instead of yelling at me, um, he kind of put everybody on like a couple of minute break and then just walked yeah. over and talked to me and kept on kind of joking with me, saying, uh, uh, you know, what are the lines? Say it again, say it again. Okay, one more time. Okay, super fast. All right, super slow. This time, like a monster. All right, this time, like a silly <laughs> girl. This time, like, your mom would say it. All right. One, one more time. One of the lines. So you stop being afraid of the process and being overwhelmed. And yeah. I call that vapor lock uh, when an actor is, you know, a, a perf- an actor can feel like they're kind of screwing up. But they also know that there's 20, 30, 50 people around them looking at their clock, wishing they would hurry up and get it right. Right. And then they start getting more and more nervous. And then they start stumbling through and getting it worse and worse and worse. And the only way to really fix that is to take a breath and to let go of all that concern and that that nervous energy and then find the fun of it again. And I was able to do that because... Bob was able to basically be a father figure and be patient and be kind. And that's, that's always helped me in my, in my acting. And then, especially as, as I grew older and became a director is the way I treat my, my talent uh, in in order to get the best performance from them is to help them understand that I, nothing else matters. We're going to spend as much time as we want doing this one thing. Now that's not true. I'm lying. But by getting rid of that fear and that responsibility, they take a deep breath, their whole body attitude changes, and now right. they're in the moment. And I also don't, I don't yell at someone in front of a bunch of people and go, do it best, better and faster and more tears. Because it's kind of embarrassing, eh? Like right. it's yeah, just right. uncomfortable, man, right? So I usually walk up to somebody – and I make it personal with them, like Bob did with me. He right. walked away from the camera, came all the way over to me, and took his time. Like, he, like he could have had a coffee, had a snack. Exactly. Yeah. No rush. No yeah. rush whatsoever. And then all my, my whole frazzled nature just shifted. And I do that with, with my actors uh, because it shows them a level of respect. It makes them feel like this is their moment. And the reality is it is their moment. And I need them to be involved in it and connect with it. Otherwise, the
0: audience isn't going to care. So right. you, you think uh, the be- uh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you think the best directors do that? What you do, Zach? And I don't know. Go, I, I think,
2: you know, it
0: depends. There's
2: a lot of different styles of directors. I've got, I've had the opportunity to work with um, Michael Bay. I've had the opportunity to work with Steven Spielberg. I've gotten to work uh, with um, Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe is very similar to Bob Clark in that nature. Michael Bay is far more of a technical director. Um, Not really a a personable director. Um, Steven Spielberg, he was a producer on a a TV show I did called High Incident. He wasn't directing the episode, uh, but he was very open to concepts and ideas. Um, So it, it depends upon the individual and what you're making, you know, it, and everybody has their own style for what they do. So,
1: yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I don't it's know. I, I like directing that way. Yeah. Um, well, if that's what you like, but I think it's important because if you make people think of coaches, basketball coaches or sports coaches, if they go and they go off on the players, a lot of times it works sometimes, but sometimes it backfires on them. And so right. what a good leader is, is a variety of different things for sure. You know, yeah, it's
2: it, it changes. It changes upon who you're dealing with at the time, what your options are. So if you work for me on my crew and you screw something up, do I have a replacement for you? Are we in the middle of nowhere? and It would take me three days to get a replacement for you. And if you walk off my set, am I screwed? Am I going to lose eight hours of time? Is that eight hours going to equal $10,000 or $15,000 or more? So how do I how do I handle that situation with you? How do I make sure that you're you don't think you've got me bent over sideways and at the same time inspire and motivate you to do better and make so you move faster? Like, how do I do all those things if you're my crew member and then also if you're my actor, how do I get the energy I need for that scene so that you're in the right head place at the right time? Like it's it's constantly analyzing. Uh, what the person's going through and trying to be trying to be open to what's happening with them as opposed to just listening to yourself uh, so right. that you can best help them get what they need to, to motivate them and get it done and take care
3: of your over budget and blah, 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 all the other crap that goes into it. Well, because there's always a million things going on, right? Yeah. You've yeah. got a million things going on, especially if you're a director. They've got a million mm-hmm. things going on, but then you've got family, you've got life, you've got all this other crap That's you try to silo it out. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, if we can, if we can build someone rather than demoralizing them, right? Um, we're always right. going to have, and it, it seems so, I guess, impactful, but, but interesting to me that, that, you know, as you are playing the character, that is the demoralizing person, you have this life changing moment with a director who helps build into you right? that now yeah. you use to this day you know, and it impacted, you know, it impacted your life. And it's like, you know, we've got this yin and yang going on here. Um, but it did have an impact and you yeah, use it, it you know, impact. you could have, you could have taken either path. Um, and people would expect, Oh, well, he's known for this role. So he's this guy. And it's like, right. You know, no, I had this, I had this moment and, and I chose to, to really try to invest in people because this guy did not me. Um, now you've been in, you've been in a lot of shows, right? So you're in, you're in Transformers, Resident Evil, um, almost famous, but then in a bunch of movies like CSI and and NYPD Blues and Walker, Texas Ranger and Mentalist and Lost. Yeah, I've done, and,
4: I've
2: done about 120 movies and about 80 guest stars
3: uh, yeah. TV shows. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know what, a lot of the other actors that were children in at least the Christmas story, but, but I would say you've, you've definitely, you know, a lot of children actors stop right there, right? They have their movie and and then that's kind of as far as it goes, especially when you have a major movie where, you know, it's, it's, it's got a cult following, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people get, you know, that's their role for life. Um, So to be able to go on to and do as many movies as you've done and, TV episodes and, and all of that. How 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 would you say that you've been able to transition to to continue to act um, when a lot of people, whether success or failure, it, it's it's a it's a fight, right?
2: I'd say a lot of it is luck. Um, my mom's in the industry, so I grew up around the industry. So I was never I was never excited about the red carpet. It was never okay. about being famous, uh, which is yeah. great because being in Canada. Nobody cared when a Christmas story came out. It did not do well. Uh, no one literally gave a crap. Um, yeah. So it was just a job. And, you know, I got lucky enough that when I went from being a child to being a teenager, um, yeah, I had my awkward stages. But I was OK looking, I guess, you know, yeah. like some some people change completely. That guy from the Goonies went from being a chunk to this thin, good looking lawyer guy. Right, right. So he really didn't play the same type that people wanted him to be from Chunk and the Goonies. Um, right. I still kind of look very similar to Farkas. If you slap a picture of me up, let's see. If I slap this up, <laughs> yeah, I still have the same punchable face, you know? Uh, that hasn't really changed. Um, I think I think having a punchable face has been something that's helped me out immensely. Like, um, and having red hair, so I, that was luck. And then luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So I was constantly right. auditioning. Like, yeah, I've done a lot of work. I've also probably auditioned for fifteen times that amount of opportunities and never got them. So right. if not more, um, yeah. So I think it's just tenacity and, and other people, you know, yes, other kids are child actors and they perform in something and it gets very, very big and they expect their life to be like that. But life isn't like what it is when you're a child, especially right. your body's changing, your mind is changing, your, your life is changing and is mm-hmm. constantly evolving. Um, so it's not really a system, really a big burden put on little kids who have no understanding of what's going to happen to them in the next four, eight, 12 years and how much they're going to change. Right. Um, So I never had that burden because nobody cared about the movie when it came out. So I think I got lucky in a lot of, I I got lucky that no one cared and that I was just kind of working away at it.
3: Well, you know, I think you make a point because it didn't, because nobody as you said, cared, right. It doesn't go to your head and you, you know, a lot of, a lot of child actors, you know, get there and then they just go down here because it does go to their head and they get all the money and then they just crash. And I mean, you look at not just the drug rate, but, but the death rate and all this of, of, of actors that have really, um, and as you say, you know, mom's in the business, she went home and, and she's like, okay, now go clean your room. Um, Right. And it's like, but but because of that, you went to the next audition, and the next audition, the next audition, right. and the next audition, um, and as you say, I, I you know I audition fifteen times for every one that I get, right? So, you know that gets back to regardless of if if somebody's in movies or they're in sales or they're just in life, you know we give up after two or three times statistically right. after once or twice, and you're right. like no, like fifteen times, and the reality is if you, if you interviewed 15 times for every one you got, that means you really interviewed like a hundred times in a row and got a no. And then you got one and then you got another and then you got another and you're like, crap. Yeah. There's going to be a bunch of nos again. Right. Because, you know, things happen, boom, boom, boom. And then it's just silent. And then boom, boom, boom. Um, But you've stuck with it and you've got a resume that, that clearly shows you did. What are, what are, some of, what are some of your favorite actors that you've worked with over the years or, or maybe movies or series that you've been in?
2: Um, Stacey Keach on the TV show, Titus. Yeah. Uh, Darren McGavin, obviously. Uh, Octavia Spencer was on, uh, she was on Titus. She was a very nice woman. Um, what's her face from Family Guy. What is her name? The lead, Google her name. She did an episode of uh, of uh, Titus as well. We got to work with a lot of cool people on that. Um, you know, the thing is, I, I've i gotten to do so many different movies and TV shows and gotten to work. Uh, Alex Borstein. Got to work with Alex Borstein. Um, it's been really neat. It's been really exciting to, to work with such a wide range of people. And we're... Sometimes you meet your heroes and they disappoint you. And sometimes yeah. you, meet your, you meet people that become heroes because of how yeah. much they inspire you. And I, right. I think that regardless of whether they're famous or they're unknowns, the quality of their work speaks in their actions. And so mm-hmm. you're, you know, again, keeping that open mind and getting to meet people and, and learn from their talents is always a fantastic opportunity.
3: Right. Not all heroes wear a cape.
2: No they, they usually work at assisted living facilities.
3: Well, they do now you mentioned you mentioned a few minutes ago uh, that you've got a passion for Alzheimer's, which uh, yeah. I, I've really I don't know if that's the
2: right I don't know if that's the right way to put it. If, yeah. if, I, could, if I could murder Alzheimer's uh, okay. viciously, I would. To fight oh, yeah. I would do a horror movie on that thing. Yes. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, we would have a tag team match, except there's three of us. So, Neil, what would that be called?
0: I don't know what that would be. So you're saying, no, we have a six-man tag team match against Alzheimer's. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah.
3: Yes. That would be great.
0: Because it's destroying it and ending and trying to help that process. So what made you want to do that, Zach? And I know that Eric was uh, My
2: father has Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed okay. this uh, August. He's now in a- um, Living assisted facility in Oregon.
3: Yeah, my my dad did too. He lived with us for three and a half years with Alzheimer's. Wow! And uh, wow, that's really hard, dude. Um, my dad was
2: diagnosed stage four dementia with Alzheimer's, um, and he degraded really, really quickly. Um, and they just it was it was a full time. Someone had to be there twenty four seven, and that yeah. it just limited amount of options. Uh, my wife and I don't have the space or the ability to do that. Um, so, my younger sister, Audrey, is a wizard of figuring out red tape and bureaucracy and Medicaid and all this stuff. And so, yeah. we were able to find a place a mile away from her house in Oregon, in Bend, Oregon, Eugene, okay. Oregon. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, I don't want to swear, but man, I, I hate Alzheimer's on a level that requires a lot of cussing.
3: Well, we could we could share a pint and discuss it and and we could cuss all night. So yeah. I typically have a have a little pin on that's it's a purple pin that's about Alzheimer's. When I speak, I actually was speaking last week at New York Academy of Medicine specifically about that and, and what I learned because uh, what was heartbreaking to me was, you know, in these facilities, my dad and I don't know if your dad's gotten this way, but they get aggressive, you know, Alzheimer's. They will. They get
2: angry. They Um, get mad.
3: And and they're frustrated because they're used to being able to do stuff. My dad was my dad had been an all-American collegiate athlete and he's still doing 50 push ups a day. Um, And but his mind just wasn't working. And it it was just it's heartbreaking. Right. Now, there's there's also moments of just. God was gracious to give us some moments where we just laughed, you know, dad would do stuff that was just funny. And you know, sometimes he thinks it's funny, but we just need some comic relief. Yeah. And and you know, one day we we're at Chinese food, and they delivered the 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 sushi, and he just grabbed the whole thing that you know for everybody to share, and he ate the whole thing. And every, we're just like, okay, we'll order some more. And before we could stop him, he grabs the wasabi and puts the whole thing in his mouth to just oh jump, gosh. jump, jump. Never says a word. Starts crying. I mean, just. You know, a tear comes down, his face gets red, never says a word, you know, tough dude. Wow. And then afterwards, <laughs> he's like, wow, that was some spicy guacamole. And, That's and, you know, so, so there's those really hard days. Um, yep. And then there's some days that you just, you know, afterwards, we'd kind of chuckle once we were like, yeah, don't, don't eat the spicy guacamole again. But we can <laughs> remember that, you know, yeah. afterwards and, and, uh, you know, but there's, you know, there's, there's good days and there's really, really really hard days. Definitely. Um, so I feel for you, man. I speak Thank on that. You. I speak on that regularly, uh, all over the country and on TV and, uh, just as a, as an advocate, as I say, a senior advocate. Um, well, that's
2: funny. Cause if this happened to people who are 40 and under, we'd have a solution.
0: True. Yeah, that's true. And if we could have more people yeah. like you two speaking out, I mean, my father didn't have it at the end, but he started forgetting things. Mm-hmm. and it was very hard because he was brilliant uh number two in the naval academy when he went to school wow. there, he m.i.t wow. genius my father he passed away about a year ago so I'm not no sure. it was, it, uh, thank you and it was just really difficult yeah. to see at the end because the man was a genius and it was very hard sometimes to have conversations but he would always say i'm proud of you son but i mean mm. i'm not that that kind of thing he's my best man and so i'm just sharing this because i didn't you know think i was gonna get to share this in this interview but it just really it just he was the one that had the answers but he would right. be able to come up with so many different amazing things with his intelligence but also relate to people and it was just a he uh he served up under admiral Rickover. if you ever heard of admiral Rickover, he was a very no sir player. naval and if you looked him up he's like one right. of the head of the naval of the, of the of navy in the navy when he was uh Doing yeah. submarines and stuff as a story. So just amazing stories. But those are the things that they forget at the end. It's so hard, Zach, right? mean yeah. to see them forget those yeah. amazing things or amazing moments are gone. Yeah. Because of yeah. this of this.
2: Yep. I would murder Alzheimer's if I got a chance.
3: Well, yeah, you'd have some help. Yeah. Um, and you know what? If if you ever do, if you ever get the chance to, I'm I'll pretty you. convinced you'll be acquitted. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I,
2: I want to do it close up with the knife and make it yeah. really slow.
3: Yeah. right? a dull spoon even, you know,
0: right. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> like uh, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there, you know, there's so many things, you know, my, my dad had Alzheimer's. My, uh, my mentor had ALS that she had another thing that, you know, it, it, uh, you know, it's just brutal. It's devastating. Yeah. Um, and and you're right the the uh the government does not put uh a value on young children or on old people because they can't earn a dollar right um but so the reality
2: is they are like old people are supposed to convey the wisdom of their experience yes. to young people so that we yeah. create a standard of integrity for our culture so that we have a society and a civilization that lifts us up out of the dregs Right. And then when we shuffle those people away into dark corners to fade away into nothingness, and all their lessons are just turned into mothballs, then it means that we're constantly starting over and over again from nothing, which is like that's what octopuses do. You know, an octopus is really, really smart, but it has no history to trade upon. So every time an octopus is born, It's coming out with zero and instinct and trying to figure it out itself. And they're very, very smart, smarter than dogs. But then they never get to transfer that information ahead. The reason why we have a society and the reason why I'm sitting in my office uh, in front of a laptop with a camera talking to people is because information keeps on getting changed and conversed and then built upon. We stand on the shoulders of giants. But if if you basically chop down the giants... Before you ever get to hear what they have to say, then you're starting from scratch all the time, uh, all over again, and that's the that's the that's the way empires fall. Yeah. So yes. Hey, Merry Christmas, guys! Great podcast. (laughs) Let's keep it (laughs) happy, shall we? See, see, Zach.
0: I told you you we're going to ask different types of questions today. It's not going to be the same old same old, but it really brings that power. But so, Zach, basically raising money. So this is the big thing during this time what came you came up with the idea because of your father but how are you raising money for it? i'm doing
2: two things i'm doing something through the the uh uh, the christmas story family Uh which is a website you can go to and then we're selling autographed photos and so forth from everybody inside the uh everybody inside the cast um and then i'm also doing cameos uh which are um yeah yeah. Cameo. So if you go to cameo.com slash Darth Farkas, as if Scott Farkas was a Sith Lord, it's <laughs> funny. D A R T H F A R K U S Darth Farkas. Then you see my cameo and a portion of the monies I raised go toward taking care of my dad directly. Um, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, or you can go to the Chris was a Christmas story gift or let me just take a look at it. Cause it's, as opposed to it going through warner brothers and all that like this is just paper stuff and small gifts that are made um autograph photographs and so forth so it's you know it's called the christmas story family if you look at that and then you'll find us as well christmas
3: story family
0: yeah christmas story family all right and i know you have some more questions for zach before we have to let him go a couple of them so go ahead
3: yeah. So it, Zach, it sounds like we probably have our answer, but you know, one of the questions we always ask everybody is, you know, what do you want? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be your legacy?
2: Well, I think Christmas story will be my legacy. Um, and I, I, I'm very, I think I'm blessed to have that as an option. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, I had very little to be part of that. I did not contribute a lot to the making of that film. Um, I worked on it for five weeks. I was very lucky to get to do what I did. And it's that perfect storm of opportunity, yeah. uh, the way the audience interacted with it, it turning into a 24 hour marathon, etc. So I think that will always be part of my legacy. Um, the harder question is how do I live up to that legacy before I die? Um, right. My goal is not to sit back and be like, hey, remember me? I was got thackas. Remember that one time I was a bully in 1983? That's stupid. That's just that's just pathetic. Right. Um, my goal is to live up to the legacy of Bob Clark and direct and create films that bring people together and and make them laugh and smile and cry and feel human. So I hope that before I die, that I get to live up to the opportunity that Bob Clark gave me
0: all right see that hopefully i get to do that that's fantastic zach any other projects you have going on right now you can talk about Uh,
2: i'm direct i've directed a feature film that i wrote and directed called patsy lee and the keeper of the five kingdoms and it's a like the goonies meets dark crystal so live action with puppets in a magical world um one of the the leading man is uh james hong 92 year old james hong Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was in Big Trouble in Little China. He was.
3: I love that. Yeah.
2: And this is a Chinese mythology-based American feature film with, like I said, animatronic puppets and magical worlds and little persons inside suits with talking heads and magic powers and lots of fun, difficult stuff to do. So that's what I'm working on right now. And our goal is to have that out and distributed for second quarter of 2021.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. So, and awesome. other things you can't say till COVID's over, right? Or that's coming up. Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm always writing something. Um, I'm working on a uh, on a series slash movie that's a book adaptation, um, but there's really no point in talking about it until that's in further in development because who knows what's going to happen? Because life, you know, right. Uh, so there you go. And you, um, he's
0: involved in be, a lot of horror stuff too, right? You do a lot of horror movie stuff too, Zach, right?
2: I have done. Yeah, I've done yeah. a bunch of horror films. I've produced three horror features, directed one of them, um, written two of those. Um, right now, I'm not working on any horror stuff at the moment, which is fine. Still love watching it. My wife yeah. and I are huge fans of Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah, and, uh, they're going to come out with a video game, so we are so excited to play that. Um, yeah, but that's, that's so. They, let's see, that's the plan. I'm going to be in Ohio uh, next week, which I'm excited mm-hmm. about. And then we're in Ohio, Zach.
0: Just uh, yeah. Akron and Cleveland. Okay, so you're not far from Pittsburgh, and that'll be on TV. So people need to go check you out in Akron and Cleveland. What are you going to do there? Are you going well, That's right.
2: Here's the thing we're not really doing what I'm going to visit family. Oh, uh, my oldest friend lives in Akron, Ohio. Okay. And okay. so I'm going to go visit him. Um, I'm not really doing any personal events um, in in person. The only one I'm doing is this Saturday, the nineteenth. I'm doing a drive-in movie theater to raise money. Sweet, um, great then,
3: idea.
2: Yeah, but everybody's in their car, so yeah. it's not. It's completely COVID compliant. You're not touching anybody. Everything's safe, you know. Um, so that's the only in-person event that I'm doing. Everything else is going to be. Um, just news, interview questions, stuff like this, or yeah. on location in front of the Christmas Story mm-hmm. house, so forth. But I'm not doing a bunch of public stuff. Um, it makes me uncomfortable uh, for multiple reasons. You know, my dad's 74 years old now, and right. when I want to go see him, like I'm always getting COVID tests to make sure that my right. family and I are safe, so we can take care of him. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, um it's too much of a risk for me to expose somebody else to that opportunity. And since we have things like cameo or the Christmas, a Christmas story family um, where they could have that interaction without having to expose themselves or their loved ones That's to great. something that could be absolutely dangerous yeah. or possibly
0: ending someone's life, you know, whatever you, you believe. just Wait, we'll wait till whenever we're back to normal again. There you go. There you That's go. No, I was just saying you're not far from me at all, Zach, by the way, I'm in Pittsburgh. So yeah. So oh, we're nice. Yeah. Nice, so, nice. We're, so I was thinking you were doing some event. I said, okay, well, I guess <laughs> I interviewed some celebrity today in LA saying she's going to a party for one film. I'm like, Oh my gosh, really? They taking those chances. I guess they do sometimes. I don't, I mean, I don't yeah. see the point. Yeah. Yeah
2: I, yeah. I just don't. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I've had dinner with friends out on patios and we're, Ten feet away from each other and when the waiter shows up they have a mouth they have a mask and they have a shield and they have gloves on and we've done that since the beginning and i've been covid free for 12 10 months now so obviously whatever i'm doing is working yeah um, but no i'm I, I think i went to a bar once this year and it was when like we had our first wave of covid and then there was like sort of a release like, oh, you can go to a bar if you line up outside six feet distance yeah, wearing a mask. And then once you get inside, you can take the mask off. So my wife and I go to this. And, of course, people are drinking and they're getting drunk. And they're doing the thing where they, the music is loud and they lean in close and they start talking into your mouth. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'd rather have a beer at home than have you spit on my face. And (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. You know, but I'm lucky. I'm already married and very happily so and not running around trying to be single. So I have my heart goes out to those people who are feeling lonely and such as that has got to be difficult, but Uh, I'm not going to go hang out.
0: That's another that might be for a movie you have to create next year about single during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. They've probably uh, already done it. It's called Tinder.
3: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Or that could be the name of your movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure everybody would know exactly what it was before they even saw it.
0: That's. uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, (laughs) thanks for stopping by. Eric, again, another great living legacy. Stay on for just a second more, Zach, so we can uh, chat one more thing before we go. But I appreciate you coming by, and thanks again for the memories. And everyone needs to watch. T- go check out the website right now so they could donate or go to your cameo, right? Go to my cameo um, or go to my Twitter at
2: total Zach Ward, T O T A L Z A C K W A R D at Twitter or Instagram. And then uh, hit me up
0: from there.
3: Awesome. Right. Zach, great interview today, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks, thanks, for joining us. All right. Appreciate thanks talking to you guys.
0: All right, guys, that was living the legacy. Take care. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Doctor Christopher Hall Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Doctor Christopher Hall. Doctor Hall, how, how how are you? Thank you for your service, and it's great that we understand this uh, the challenges you have on the front lines every day as the virus just keeps growing, and growing. Thank goodness there's a vaccine.
5: We know you're right about that, Neil. That that the vaccine is is um uh, you know certainly reality, and distribution will will occur soon. And uh, but again, you know this this whole COVID virus one of the, actually one of the worst things is that it's actually displacing patients who have other illnesses, and so we can't even find room for people who have uh, other illnesses that need to be in other hospitals because the COVID virus is filling everything up. But uh, either way, I'm very excited about the guests that we have today. All right,
0: introduce them. I'm excited
5: too. Well, no problem. Well, you know it's my my great honor uh, to uh, introduce an individual um, who is very talented. Um, a director, an actor, um, and um, I'd like to to show today. Uh, Mr. Tucker Lewis, welcome to show, Tucker. Hi, how you doing, guys? We're doing
0: great, Tucker. Thanks for stopping by uh, for sure. And Chris will just start hammering some questions out to find out about your career. So go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead
4: Chris. Yeah, shoot me. Go ahead.
5: Oh, well, no problem. No problem. You know, um, I, I, I guess, you know, uh this you know, we're seeing you most recently in the undoing, but you know, you've got a long history of being an actor and director. And so tell us a little bit about how you got into acting and uh why you made that choice.
4: Yeah, and So let's see, I've been um I've been acting now for about ten years professionally. I actually feel like I, I started uh a little later in life. I didn't really get into uh performing and acting until I was in college when I was about twenty. Uh, I was going to school in University of Colorado, and uh, I I stopped playing uh, sports, which was like my main thing. I was a big jock when I was younger, played football, rugby, but I was I was tired of getting hurt, so I wanted to find another outlet. <laughs> and uh, I picked up uh, I picked up started taking acting classes, and I caught the bug right away, and I just never turned back from there. And um, you know, I, I ended up moving to New York. Uh, After I graduated there, and I've been uh, living in New York now for seven years. uh, Went to school there, went to a conservatory program where I I studied acting uh, for two years. Took a full time program, which you're basically there five days a week, eight, 10 hours a day. It's like a full time job, which really kind of solidified uh, my confidence as an actor. It made me feel much more capable of working as a professional. And, um, and I've kind of been hustling ever since. Uh, I live in Brooklyn now and um, I've been doing theater and some television and some film here and there and uh, creating my own work as well. And about, it's funny, it's actually been like 18 months since, over 18 months since I actually shot The Undoing, but um, it just came out now. And uh, yeah, it's been a huge, it's been a huge hit. And it's been, it's been incredible to be a part of, to finally be a part of like a show that's like really popular that people are responding to. Uh, and it's been, it's been really nice. The, the response I've been getting from people for that.
0: And see, it's interesting when you talk about awesome. you know, doing the grind and everything, let's talk a little bit about The Undoing. Tell us about the show.
4: Yeah. So The Undoing is based off a book, I believe it's called You Should Have Known. the original title. And, um, it's about a, it's a murder mystery, psychological thriller, uh, and it's got some big stars, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. And it's basically this, this young woman who's kind of this thin fatale who's introduced in the beginning of the show. She winds up being murdered and people, uh, in this family are being accused of the murder. Right. And now we're trying to figure out who actually did it. Right. <clears throat> and it takes place in the Upper East Side, of New York. It's by the uh, creator David E. Kelly, who was responsible for Big Little Lies. Very similar style of show, but rather than in California, this one's in Upper East Side, of New York, among the uber-rich. So that's like a big theme. Like these super-rich people are so used to getting what, what what they want, and finally, as things start to come undone, uh, they're all kind of the truth kind of is revealed, and their true selves are are revealed interesting chris
5: all right uh Dr. Olmer, very speak. interesting uh, yeah no that's yeah it's very interesting you know and uh, so wow so now uh how do you think you now, what's the is that your favorite kind of role i mean um that sounds a, a lot like crime mystery drama or is there a
4: different type of acting role you think that you, you know? <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh when i first started out i uh i was actually going in for a lot of like a lot of good guys a lot of uh cops and lawyers and stuff like that and uh I, as i've gotten older and evolved uh grew my grew my facial hair out too i have a beard i i and and with the with the social and political climate the way it is uh and as a young tall white man I all, I only tend to go out for the bad guys now. (laughs) Tends to be the popular, uh, the theme (laughs) in, uh, pop culture right now. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the white guys, especially the young white guys who don't, aren't necessarily established already. They get, I'm getting cast as all the, uh, all the bad guys. And I don't know if it's the, if it's society or maybe it's me, but, uh, yeah, I guess people see me as the, as the, um, the drug addict or the drug dealer or, or the rapist or the, All, you know, all of the above it seems to be the, the popular choice for me nowadays pretty funny yeah, that, i actually really like right you no know, i was gonna say i actually really like playing those characters because who doesn't like playing the bad guy it's a lot of fun
0: exactly there's
4: it, no no rules
0: it's fun because in my former days as a professional wrestler i love playing the bad guy i don't want to ever be the baby yeah the bad guy's the best because you get to be something you're not if you're a bad guy and you're an acting, you become a good guy, then that's kind of, I guess, the best uh, change in role. But you really can kind of get out of your shell. You can see how you can upset people and anger them, you know, behind in front of that are watching in the screen. So describe your current character now in The Undoing versus some of the other mm-hmm. characters. In the play.
4: Uh, okay, well, I play Lionel Wilcox in The Undoing, and uh, you know I'm only I'm in one I'm in one episode, so it's uh, technically a, a co-starring, guest starring role. I'm not sure what you really call it, but uh, but it was a, a one episode, but I got to do two scenes with Hugh Grant. One of them being a really kind of powerful scene within the show, and um, um, basically Lionel Wilcox is in prison with uh, Hugh Grant's character. And uh, he's kind of uh, infamous for um, being part of this murder case, this investigation. So everyone kind of knows who he is. And um, (laughs) I see him in there and I want to get to know him. I want to talk to him, maybe even get his autograph. You never know, it might be worth something down the road. And uh, I basically approach him and things don't go as planned. He's a little standoffish. Uh, I am a little antagonistic. And uh, we end up getting in a little bit of a scuffle, let's just say. <laughs> Things go down in the prison yard. And, uh, you know, what really is, my character's purpose in the show really is, it's, uh, he's there to, sh- to kind of show the possibility of Hugh Grant's character doing something violent. Because he's supposed to be this great guy, this uh, uh, cancer doctor for children, right? Uh, I can't remember what you right. call that, but but uh, you know he's yeah. saving uh, children's lives. So uh, it, yeah, exam. yes, pediatric <laughs> oncologist, exactly. Yeah, you would know. Thank you, doctor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, and yeah, so he, he's supposed to be incapable of violence, but there's this there's this violent moment that happens in prison. And it kind of ch- maybe changes the audience's point of view, like, oh, maybe he is capable of, of doing violence. And I kind of bring that out of him. Right. Um, so if my, my character is very antagonistic and, um, you know, th- some of the other characters I play, I play. I, I just actually did a short film that I wrote and directed myself where I play a, a, a drug dealer who's uh, I like to describe him as a drug dealer with a, a heart of gold. Because he, even though he's he's doing something illegal, he actually cares about the people that he's actually selling to, which is a little bit of a contradiction. Um, but I think you know I, I've I've met a lot of people like that, and it's not not all people who do something bad are always uh, bad all all the way through. They, they often care about certain people in their lives, and I find that that interesting to find. You know, where where in their life do they do the bad things, and where in their life do they do the 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 good thing, and how can you how can you bring that out in a story and and make, make a full character out of that? I always find that very fascinating. So I always look for characters that kind of have both sides. Uh, that's my goal. I
0: love least. that. It's and I want to still act, Doctor Hall. if you want to hear this? I'm 47, <laughs> I'm a former professional. I want to act, and I was uh, talking to my office manager about that. I said, you know, part of my goals is to return to the ring one more time. Especially mm-hmm. now I made it through COVID right now. I'm just kidding. I don't even know if I have it yet. But meaning now I'm ready to uh, in 2021 uh, to hit, but hit the ring again. but I really want to act at one point. I'm a 6 foot 10 legitimate. and I know that those taller characters are difficult to find. So especially to have the ability already to act. So that's something heck, in, in the woodwork and, you know, and you just don't give up on your age and go for it. All right, Dr. Hall.
4: Heck yeah, awesome. man. Wait, wait, no. did you say you're
0: 6'10"? Yes, I'm
4: 6'10". Dang, man, you're a big boy.
0: And you're a director too, so <laughs> really think uh, about it and say, when I have something written for you, Neil, I'll give you a call.
4: For sure. And I, I did read about you uh, wrestling in the past, so uh, um, I'm gonna definitely have to check out your your, your old stuff. If, uh, if there's anything out there, I can see. I'd love there's to do that. There's
1: still some stuff uh, out there.